Saturday episode. I don't think FCC regulations pertain to Saturdays, so I think we can say whatever the hell we want, Peter Apple. How are you, Jack? Feels good to be back. Weekend episode. Yeah. How about it? I'm good, man. Um, Two things, one baseball related, one not baseball related before we give you the NL West, our final divisional preview. And the next week, what does the calendar say? I think the calendar says... Um, calendar says bangers. Calendar says banger after banger after banger. Predictions, player awards, over-unders, so much. I think it's the awards episode. I think it's AL over-unders, NL over-unders, and then an opening day preview. I mean, does it get better than that? No. I don't think so, except maybe the NL West preview. We're going to work Rockies, Diamondbacks, Giants, Padres, Dodgers. Before that, baseball-related thing, non-baseball-related thing. You want the baseball-related thing first? However you want to deliver. Because I, again, have no idea what he's about to say. He always says, before pre-record, I have one baseball thing, one non-baseball thing to share with you. And I've just got past to, hey, can you tell me what it is so I can know beforehand? Nope. So, yeah, whatever you want to do, give it to me. Baseball-related. I don't mind when people send me their fantasy teams. I kind of like it. Um, I know that there are some people out there that are like, Oh, for the love of God, please don't send me the fantasy team. And like being as ingrained in baseball as we are, I'm sure you are DM'd and texted a bunch of fantasy teams, fantasy baseball and fantasy football probably for you as well. But I'm not texted that many football teams. Baseball, I'm texted fantasy teams a lot. And I don't like or I don't mind it. I like looking at how these guys constructed. And, you know, like if I've got a friend that's like, hey, what do you think of my team? I'm going to pick something nice to say about somebody that's like a sleeper on their team. Obviously, I'm not going to say, wow, great job getting Juan Soto. He's really good. Um, I got texted from from a buddy and my resident Rockies fan friend that um, he took Brendan Donovan as his his utility guy. And I was like, I'm all the way in on that. And then he's got Tovar as a shortstop, which like I'm not all the way in on. But I appreciate the the Rocky bias there. No, I I really like uh, and a lot of the feedback that we get from the Just Baseball show is. I use your guys's thoughts on specific players and I use them in my drafts. My only thing is I'm not much of a fantasy baseball player. Yeah. So, you know, when someone listens to the show and they draft a team full of players that I've spoken about that I like, my only response is love your team. And it's, yeah. a, it's a lot of teams where sometimes people are just looking for you to acknowledge that their team is good. I like when they say, Hey, I have a, seventh round pick and I'm deciding between this player and this player what do you say I will always respond to that but there's plenty of people that will DM their fantasy team and just be like thoughts and I'm like your team's great man like, I don't know so yeah so does it where I differentiate but my question is does it bother you or is it like great huh. I don't really care no message that someone is asking about baseball will ever bother me like ever if it's about baseball and 
um, you want to know my opinion on something that will never, ever bother me. It's just some I'm much more willing to respond to rather than thoughts or, hey, I'm deciding between Hunter Green and Nick Lodolo on my team. What do you think? Then right. I'll jump straight in. Right. It's just a so I'm okay with the thoughts, tweet, or text. So out there, if you are drafting this week and you want somebody to give you the thumbs up emoji in response to your fantasy baseball team, I'm happy to do it. Tweet or it Or thumbs out. down. Or thumbs yeah. down. I, that's that's will you be honest? a really good idea. Yeah, I will absolutely be honest. Um, if you tweet me a photo of your fantasy baseball team, I will give you either a thumbs up or a thumbs down and, and zero accompanying analysis for your fantasy. Yeah, but who the hell wants that? I thought you like it. And that's all you're going to do. You come I like here, it, but like and you that, start the podcast with saying, hey, I really like this. And then also, you're going to give zero effort. But it's also leaning into a bit. Also, I <laughs> kind of love giving zero effort to things. So I'm I'm all the way in on that. But yeah, no, send me that and I'll give you a thumbs up or a thumbs down. We also do have a fantasy baseball show, Just Fantasy Baseball. Uh, Clay Snowden, Colby Osen are hosting that and they do a great job with that. And they are a bit more fantasy focused. So when we talk about a guy that is a war accumulator, we think Andres Jimenez is a top five second baseman of the game. He's probably not a top five fantasy second baseman in the game. So when you want that look, when you want that perspective, go check out Just Fantasy Baseball. Non-baseball related thing now. What did you do on your flight back from Miami to New York? Did you watch something? Yeah, I bought internet and I was watching the bat versus Shohei nice. and Trout kind of over and over again. Internet. Um, yeah, I was watching a lot of the WBC condensed games again because they were awesome and I couldn't get enough of them. So that's what I spent my time on. And as well, researching my American League betting preview, which I already sent out uh, to my Dub Club subscribers, uh, which will be in the form of podcasts and written articles on JustBaseball.com and my betting podcast, Not Gambling Advice. National League betting previews coming out probably by the time you're listening to this podcast, as well as I have player props that I'll be sending out, as well as player awards. Um, and the link is still free until opening day, so that's in the uh, episode description. So you did baseball on your way back. Yeah. I did non-baseball. I downloaded the three episodes of MH370, which is the Malaysian Airlines flight that disappeared from radar. Okay. Could have crashed, but like nobody really knows. And I watched it on a plane and I texted, I, I texted a couple of people that I was, I was doing that. And they were like, did it click for you that you're watching a, a doc about like a plane crash or a plane disappearance while you're flying? And I was like, well, it, it just clicked now, but then it hit me. First time I watched We Are Marshall, which is about the Marshall football plane crash. You should watch that if you haven't. Um, I watched it on a plane. So now I think that the next time uh, I fly, I should be starting Manifest, which is, again, more plane disaster. Am I a sick fuck for watching MH370 on a flight? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yes. Like, no doubt about it. You're That's so weird when you think about it. Like and you downloaded downloaded three episodes and the flight's about three hours. Like that's all you did. Yeah, that's, that's all I did. I just very watched strange. Like, okay, what's worst case scenario that can happen yeah. right now? Let's watch yeah, a doc about it. That's very strange. That's like going to a fast food establishment and watching a video while you eat fast food. Supersize me. Watching yeah, supersize me while in the McDonald's drive-thru. Yeah, that's just weird. It's like <laughs> you're, you're, that's weird. One not weird thing that I've been doing, 
Uh, and it's on the recommendation of our brilliant video editor, Will Cohen, as well as I think you mentioned it. I started The Last of Us, the show on HBO Max, um, about the kind of zombie apocalypse. Yeah. Very good TV show. I've been told it was better than Breaking Bad. Stop it. No, it's not. Yeah. I haven't started Last of Us. Uh, I'm on Shrinking on Apple TV. Hmm. Just watched the first episode of the new season of Ted Lasso. It was good. Lasso is just kind of like a, a mindless show. Like yeah. Happy go lucky, all that. Feel good. Um, Shrinking is awesome. It's got some serious substance to it. Apple TV's got some bangers there, but um, we are not a, a mouthpiece for Apple TV. We're going to talk about the NL West. You in? Yes, I'm in. Let's all talk right. Colorado Rockies. Yes. So uh, <laughs> this team truly believes that they are going to be a 500 team this year. Nope. Best case scenario. Here's how they probably line up on opening day. The catching tandem is going to be Elias Diaz and Brian Servin. Diaz is a fine starting catcher. Servin is probably a triple A catcher that happens to be the backup. You know why I hate Brian Servin? Why? Last year, first five bet against the Rockies. Uh, I think the team was winning three to one in and we're going into the bottom of the fifth. So they just had to hold at least a one run win. This motherfucker, Brian Servin, hits a two run home run. Do you know how many home runs Brian Servin hit last year? Two. Brian Servin hit six home runs last year. Yeah. And one of them happened to be on the one time that I was like, yeah, the Rockies are going to get crushed. And I faded the Rockies plenty of times and it worked. But that one, I was sitting with Arm. Arm remembers this because there was two outs. And Brian Servin hits one of his six home runs to give the Rockies the tie ball game. Screw you, Brian Servin. Uh, So Servin probably won't catch that that much. He may catch like 40, 50 games. And Elias Diaz will be the other one, 10 to 120. Um, you've got CJ Crone slated at first, Ryan McMahon at second, Ezekiel Tovar, the rookie who we like in terms of rookie of the year stuff at short. Uh, and then Mike Moustakis, who was invited to a uh, camp as a non-roster invite, uh, as the third baseman, the outfield from left to right, likely new free agent signing jerks and Profar in left. Then you've got Jonathan Daza in center and Chris Bryan in right, Charlie Blackman slated as the DH, and then you've got Eli Juris Montero, Alan Trejo of Team Mexico fame, and Harold Castro rounding out the bench. This lineup isn't good, but they're watchable enough for me. I actually think they're not too bad. Um, they ranked 12th in OPS last year, 6th in batting average, but again, uh, it's going to help when you're playing in a launch pad like there is in Coors Field. Uh, Jerks and Profar, Chris Bryant, CJ Crone, I even think Jonathan Daza, is is pretty decent out there in center. And Ezekiel Tovar is a very, very exciting rookie who I know Aram thinks is a good long shot to win uh, the National League Rookie of the Year. And I'm certainly looking at him too. Yeah. This team, especially if Chris Bryant returns back to stardom, which we think he can, and in a limited time last year, he was still really good. Had an OPS near 900. I uh, just didn't play that much, but he got injured. And now if he stays healthy, he's a really talented bat, obviously. Um, I guess the one storyline I think coming out of Rockies camp is will CJ Crone be on the roster the entire year? Uh, we just saw, unfortunately, Reese Hoskins went down with a torn ACL for the Phillies. Yeah. Um, and they don't really have a serviceable first base option to come and 
be behind him. I wonder if CJ Crone could be on the move to Philadelphia soon. I think Crone makes a lot of sense for the Phillies. And I think that moving Crone makes a lot of sense for the Rockies because his stock has never been higher. Agreed. And you've got a guy in Michael Tolia who is MLB ready and Tolia can step in and be an everyday first baseman. So I, I think that's a great move for them. I agree. I think it's a great move. But overall, like this is not a bad lineup. Um, I really don't think so. When you have Trejo on your bench, we saw him in the WBC. Wasn't that great. But again, he's a bench bat and he's still just 26 years old. Harold Castro was a starter for the Tigers and now he's on your bench. Um, And they have a lot of decent players. Like, you know, when we look at teams who will probably finish below the 70 win threshold, I put them in that bucket. But of teams who are in that threshold, they have a better lineup than most of them. It's just the pitching and the bullpen and the management and the impossible nature of playing at Coors Field. Like the Rockies have the hardest job in Major League Baseball. They have yeah. to field a team and then they have to figure out the elements. Yeah. Like it's an impossible task. That's why the Rockies, um, I feel bad for their fans. They show up and they show out even when the team isn't good. I have friends who live in Colorado who's like, I don't care if the team is bad. It's still fun to go out there and get a beer. And I respect and it's a likable team. The likable team. It's and it's a great stadium. Love Coors yeah, Field. One exactly. of my favorites too. Overall, they're probably going to finish in last place. Uh, but there are storylines among this team that are entertaining. Yeah. Um, calling my shot now. I think Chris Bryant is two eighty with thirty homers this year. I think he's more if he's healthy. I mean, it's Chris Bryant. Like he could be a three hundred hitter. Could you know, be. with thirty five home runs. It's just if he stays healthy or not in Coors Field. I mean. And, and you get the Coors hitter. bump. I do yeah. think that he gets the Coors bump. I think we're looking at 280 with about 40 doubles and 30 homers from Chris I Bryant. I love it. I would love it. Just stay healthy, Mr. Bryant. M- Moustakis hurts at third. And like, okay, Mike Moustakis, that name has some sex appeal for sure. It may get five people out to the ballpark that, that wouldn't have come if Mike Moustakis wasn't on the team. But he is going to be 35 years old. Moustakis is a shell of his former self. Um, and I don't necessarily agree with moving Ryan McMahon off of third base, especially when he looks like the third baseman of the future. But they needed to go to the drawing board with Brendan Rodgers out. I think that was shoulder surgery that Rodgers underwent. Um, so you needed to fill that spot. They felt decent about grabbing a corner as opposed to grabbing a middle infielder. So I understand why McMahon is playing second. I would prefer him to play third. Um, two other guys that that I do want to mention, Cole Tucker, I don't think you can bank on anything from him right now, but he is married to Vanessa Hudgens, which is really cool, or at least engaged to Vanessa Hudgens. And then Nolan Jones, much like Will Benson, a victim of the 40-man crunch for the Guardians, and I thought a pretty underrated pickup for the Rockies. I think Jones can pump out 15 to 20 homers this year in sporadic playing time for Colorado. So, yeah, like, it is not... Best lineup in baseball, I think, Colorado Rockies. But I agree with you. It's not a bad lineup. And I think there are some enticing pieces here, especially with Profar and Chris Bryant at the top of the lineup. My issue is, and it's been the issue that the Rockies never seem to want to solve, is outfield defense. You have an incredibly vast outfield. You have to be able to build your team around outfield defense in order to cut down on those extra base hits, the pitchers who give them up. That's a that's a recipe for winning. 
And when you have an outfield of Jerks and Profar, who was a below average defender and left, Chris Bryant, who has never been known as a good defensive outfield, he's a fine defender. And then you have Jonathan Daza, again, who's not the best defensive center fielder. A lot of balls are going to drop in the gaps. Like they may be able to hit, but they're probably going to get out hit. And even some of those balls that maybe a Kevin Kiermeyer, for example, is a guy who I wanted the Rockies to go get. Maybe he gets a tick up and at the plate because he's playing cores and he can still go grab a fly ball with anybody. That's a guy who wish they got instead of just going with Daza and then going with Profar. I know he can hit a little bit, but in left, like that's not a solution. And Brian is your best defender and like he's not even that good in right. So it's going to be another one of these years where we're seeing balls consistently peppered in the gaps and Rockies outfielders not catching them. Can I ask you, like, were you expecting anything more? No, and that's why the Rockies piss me off more than any other organization because they don't work on logic. Right. Um, you take a gander at the starting rotation, and this is the thing, like, even if they were logical, I still think they strike out because nobody in their right mind wants to be a starting pitcher at Coors Field. Herman Marquez, the opening day starter, Kyle Freeland, Jose Arena, Austin Gomber, and Ryan Feltner likely round out the five. Uh, with a couple of uh, injuries, you had Antonio Senzatella undergo knee surgery, uh, and then you've got Ryan Rollison, who's on the mend with shoulder surgery as well. Rollison, I was still hoping could be a thing for them. I liked him at Ole Miss. Um, good lefty, but shoulder surgery last June, he's not anywhere close to being ready. And then Senzatella, we, we know that deal. Um, Herman Marquez sucked out loud last year, like so bad. He was good before that. I'm not banking on a Herman Marquez bounce back. Um, I, I think that Kyle Freeland is the perfect guy to extend for the Rockies. Um, he's nothing special, but oh well. Arania, Gomber, Feltner, those are really tough starts to watch, especially at home. They finished 30th in ERA last year as a staff. There are 30 teams in Major League Baseball. Yeah. Herman Marquez, 4.95 last year. Kyle Freeland, 4.53. Jose Urania, 501. Austin Gomber, 556. Ryan Feltner, 583. They will finish last in ERA again. And I agree with you. I don't really see a huge bounce back from Juan Marquez. Um, not in Coors Field. His fastball rated is one of the worst in Major League Baseball. Kyle Freeland is fine. And then it just drops off a cliff. And it drops off a cliff from being fine. Um, you have almost automatically four losses in this rotation. Like if you're looking at from a betting angle and you see Austin Gomber against basically any team with any fine starter, they're probably going to lose that game. Yeah. This team, while they do have a good offense, they're going to lose a ton of high scoring games. Like this is just, this is not a good team. Yeah. Um, bullpen, man. How worried are you about Daniel Bard after that WBC showing? So worried. Yeah. I think me too. He, uh, he worked with a mental coach, um, and that's what got him back kind of into the big leagues. And we just saw him, like, really fall apart. I don't know if it was completely mentally, but his body language was not great. Couldn't throw a strike. Um, and maybe being in Colorado is what's best for him. You know, I hate to talk about, about the mental part, but they talked about it over the broadcast. Um, and it's not like Daniel Bard is some spring chicken, right? He's going to be 38 years old by the end of the season. Yeah, uh, I'm worried about Daniel Bard. I think he's still going to be good, you know, you know, in a lot of games that the Rockies are but playing I mean, and you'll probably see some good stuff, but yeah. But he couldn't throw a strike to save his life. He broke Altuve's thumb. 
Did he get an out? Nope. It's terrifying. Um, especially when, you know, you extend to him and you don't trade him at his peak value. I, I bet the Rockies are kicking themselves that they didn't trade him at peak value, but they're probably not the even Rockies. kicking themselves. Right. They're, they're probably, probably like, ah, like, oh, damn, that stinks. Um, yeah. Pierce Johnson, they sign one year five. Pierce Johnson, I, I think his stuff plays in Coors. He was a guest of Show and Go with Taylor Davis. Um, and he said, like, I don't really see that much of a difference in stuff. To Nelson Lamette, we'll see what they get from him. They signed Brad Hand to a free agent deal at a sub three ERA a year ago. They claimed Brett Suter off waivers. They've got Justin Lawrence. It's not a good bullpen. Um, they're going to fill innings. Like, they've got a bunch of inning fillers here. This staff as a whole is is 30th out of 30, I think. It's them in Washington. Yeah, the only guy I really like in this uh, bullpen is Justin Lawrence. He throws from a low three, you know, it's like a low slot. Um, but he's he got had an some, ERA near six last yeah, year. 5.07. But the underlying metrics point to, you know, a lot of positive regression. And when you watch him, I see a good reliever. Uh, but again, it's just hard to pitch in cores. And like, you know, you give up one home run and, you don't get an out. That's three and runs with no outs and your ERA spikes. And I agree. Like he's not great, but he is a guy to watch. And I think he is going to help out a contender come deadline, right? He's a young guy. He's only 28 years old. I think he does have good stuff and just nobody really cares about him. And you see the stats in cores and they aren't good, but I like his stuff. His peripherals look strong. He's the guy who I think will be a big deadline mover and will end up helping a uh, contender. Yeah, to note, Lawrence has 59 big league innings under his belt, uh, 16 and two-thirds in 2021, 42 and two-thirds last year. He owns a career 6.52 ERA, and he's walking six guys per nine. So walks are resulting in runs. But if he does you know, succeed at the front half of this year, that's certainly a guy that could move at the deadline because, again, he is you know, wonky arm slot, that type of thing. Yeah, you know. You read the stats and they aren't pretty. I'm not gonna lie to you. They're not uh, pretty. But, they're butt ugly. Yeah, they they aren't. They're not good. If a high, ERA they're not good. You can stop there. They're not. They're not good. good if you consider high ERA being bad. Yes, yes. that leads. Yes, I unfortunately <laughs> fall into that camp, and I I unfortunately fall into the camp that six walks per nine is tough. It's not seven though. <laughs> hey, and it's definitely not eight. And it's not even close to 10. Yeah. <laughs> All right. They are so far and away the worst team in this division. Yeah. Not but it's close. fun. Hey, you know, go out to Coors Field. Have a nice beer. Hey, hey Coors. All right. On a Coors Field. Arizona finished in fourth in the division last year. And this may be the most improved team in baseball and certainly one of the more fun teams in all of baseball, they do move Dalton Varsho. In turn, they get two guys that are probably going to be in the opening day lineup back. Um, starting catcher, Gabriel Moreno looks like he's back healthy. Uh, you've got Jose Herrera as the backup plan behind the plates. Um, then you've got Christian Walker at first, Gatel Marte at second, the tandem of Nick Ahmed and Geraldo Perdomo at short, Josh Rojas and Evan Longoria, who signed a sneaky free agent deal at third in the outfield left to right is the number one prospect in baseball and Corbin Carroll. Alec Thomas, Team Mexico in center, and then Jake McCarthy in right with Lourdes Gurriel Jr. as the DH, and the depth being Kyle Lewis, uh, Longoria, Perdomo, and Herrera. This lineup is like a very fun team. It, it's a, I call it a 2K team. 
this is a, a team that you can, you know, draw randomly on MLB the show and be like, okay, yeah, I'm ready to go with this one. Yeah, the only player that I'm not a big fan of is Nick Ahmed, right? Um, and and, and obviously, a, we know the service that he does. We know the service that he and Perdomo do, which is elite defense. Exactly. And you look at this team up and down the lineup. Not only can they hit, but they can play defense. Corbin Carroll in left, Alec Thomas in center, and Jake McCarthy in right. Not only is that lineup going to hit, but it's a really good defensive lineup. And Carroll and McCarthy are really the hitters in that lineup. Thomas... You know, I think he's a fine hitter, but I think he has a lot to work on. But again, he's going to be 23 come opening day yeah. Um, in the infield. Cattell Marte is still a stud. I don't care what anybody says. I still think he's got a ton of talent at 29 years old. Christian Walker, gold glove award winner, also hit 36 home runs. Yeah, sign me up for that. Josh Rojas is a great utility guy, probably going to start at third base. And Gabby Moreno. You know, if if Adley was the number one catching prospect, Gabby Moreno is probably two. Maybe Francisco Alvarez is in there. I like Moreno, Moreno more than Alvarez. Ma- Moreno, you if you don't know Moreno, he's he's a 23-year-old that got a brief taste, um, 73 plate appearances with Toronto last year, and hit 320. Like, this is a guy that can contend for a batting title as a catcher. And we haven't seen many of those guys since Joe Maurer, really. So Moreno is a true bat-to-ball, high-batting average catcher. Exactly. And he's also good defensively, too. Like yeah. he's, just a, he's just going to be one of the better catchers in Major League Baseball this year. I think we're all in agreement on that one. And then you have like guys like Evan Longoria and Kyle Lewis on your bench. I mean, Kyle Lewis was a rookie of the year, right? Um, and just hasn't done anything since. But on your bench, that's great. Longoria, a bench bat like that. To help these young guys along, yes, I will take that. So the the Diamondbacks last year finished 21st in OPS. I think this team not only improves on offense, but I think they improved defensively as well. This is going to be a very well-rounded unit, both offensively and defensively. We're talking like about, I was on the Annalise preview um, a couple days ago, I said the Mets probably have the best unit on offense and defense. But when you look at the Diamondbacks, they're almost like the poor man's Mets. Yeah. Really good defense paired with really good offense. Just a really well-rounded team, you know, through the lineup. Yeah, and they don't have the top-end talent that the Mets do, but they do have young, exciting guys. And these young, exciting guys may not work out. Like, our narrative surrounding Alec Thomas could change if he looks like he did at the back half of last year, but yeah. we have no idea. But he um, also they, is so good defensively in center field. So yeah. it's, you know, maybe he, the war, I think he could turn into Kevin Kiermaier. Right. And right. like, that's still a fine player. Right. They also have some depth bats that I enjoy. Emmanuel Rivera was in Puerto Rico's lineup. Uh, yeah. this past WBC. I like Rivera. Former Paven, Royal. Yep. Former Royal Paven Smith, 27 years old already, but I don't know, like you could give up on him if you want. I think he's a 700 to 750 OPS guy and however many plate appearances he gets. Dominic Fletcher, another guy that played very well for Team Italy. Um, Fletcher, the younger brother of David Fletcher and with a bit more pop and overall athleticism than David too. So uh, I I do enjoy them. uh, And I think that I'm going to be watching as many Diamondbacks games as possible just to get my look at Corbin Carroll Gabby Moreno, and I love watching Marte and Alec Thomas. Yeah, their win totals at 74 and a half. What do you think? Right there. Yep. Right oh, you there. Think that's, you think that's that's what it should be? I think it, I think they're going to win 73 to 74 games. Hmm. Like I, I have, uh, it's one of my favorite plays of the preseason. Over. They're over. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, I don't know. And the reason I don't know is what we're about to get into. Zach Gallen, Merrill Kelly, Madison Bumgarner, Zach Davies, Ryan Nelson projected as the opening day five with some depth there of Dre Jamison, Tommy Henry, and Brandon Fott maybe ready to go in due time. I love the depth. I love Zach Gallen. My worry is the amount of start, and I love Merrill Kelly. My worry is the amount of starts that Bumgarner and Zach Davies are going to make. Obviously, I like Davies a lot more than Madison Bumgarner. I think Bumgarner is a long reliever or a DFA candidate that they somehow, you know, have to work into the starting rotation. But I like the idea of giving Brandon Fott starts over Zach Davies, but they are going to be saddled with two 30-somethings in Bumgarner and Davies starting 40% of their games. Yeah, here's here's my thoughts on, you know, I like to bet on teams with offensive upside and pitching. And Zach Allen could win the uh, National League Cy Young Award this year. He's that good. Absolutely could. Merrill Kelly, 337 in 200 innings. Hard to find guys who had as good a season last year. And he's obviously figured out something. Uh, he's very good at limiting soft contact. It's really hard to square him up. Um, and he's a guy who I think is a very solid two. Uh, you look at Zach Davies, and I agree. Like, in 2021, he was dreadful. But he's a career 4-1-4 ERA guy, and he at least improved from his terrible 2021. I think if he's your five-starter, it's not too bad. Um, and then you have Madison Bumgarner, who I agree is garbage. But I don't think that he is going to be pitching much this year. I really don't. I think you're going to see Brandon Fott come up. Ryan Nelson's obviously going to get some run. Trey Jamison's going to get some run. Um, they have better pitchers than him. Madison Bumgarner was signed in 2019 as more of a win now move. And now it's really time to win now. And Madison Bumgarner is not the guy to help you there. So while we look on opening day that Madison Bumgarner is slotted at the third starter come June, he might not be making any starts anymore. Right, um, right. So I really like the upside of the pitching staff because you have really solid guys and Gallon and Kelly at the top. And then you have at least have an innings eater in Davies at the bottom. And then you can mix and match with Jamison, Nelson, Fott. It's a lot of excitement in Arizona. And then when you look at how they're going to benefit defensively from the lack of the shift, because teams that are really good on defense, and I believe that the Diamondbacks will be good on defense this year, I think they're going to only benefit from this. While other teams hide bad defenders in the shift, Diamondbacks won't have to do that. They're fast. They're going to steal more bases with the bigger bases. There's a lot of edges that I feel benefit the Diamondbacks more than some other teams. So I'm really excited for this squad. For sure. And I think in a perfect world, Bumgarner's out of the rotation. You're looking at Gallon, Kelly, Bumgarner, Ryan Nelson, and Fott. Um, Jamison, I think, can be an excellent swing man. Obviously, Dre Jamison had a great cameo at the end of the 22 season. Throws but hey, gas. so did Ryan Nelson, a 147 in 18 innings. So you're looking at two guys that saw immediate success. Who knows if that's it, if that success like truly translates to a full season, but we'll find out. And you got to find out. I'd rather find out this year, especially considering how good the Dodgers and the Padres are going to be, as opposed to next year, 2024, when you might be trying to sneak into a wild card spot. I have a question for you. How much different are they than the Orioles? Um, the Orioles of last year or this year? This year. I think they have lower expectations than Baltimore does because they haven't experienced the success that Baltimore did last year. 
I think this is the Baltimore of next year or what Baltimore did last year, winning 83 games, kind of jumping onto the scene. I see the same with the Diamondbacks, but I think the Diamondbacks have better pitching than the Orioles did last year. Yes, um, I do think the Orioles had better offense than Arizona does. I, I think that, you know, Terrell and Adley can kind of cancel each other out. Uh, I, I think that, I don't know, Mount Castle kind of stunk. Christian Walker was really good, but I consider those two pretty even. But then the Orioles also have Gunnar Henderson. <laughs> you know what I mean? So like if if Carroll well, only had Adley, him for half a year. They had him for half the year. Yeah, I know. But if Carroll and Adley cancel each other out, who holds a candle to Gunnar Henderson? You know what I mean? Um, I mean, you could argue that Cattell Marte might hold a candle to him. Um, you know, if it, what about Gabby Moreno and Adley Rutschman in terms of maybe yeah. not canceling each other out? But then maybe you do Carroll, like, you know, Gabby Moreno and Corbin Carroll versus Adley and Gunnar. It's not that far off. And then who's the Orioles' next best player? Ryan Mountcastle, well, they have Christian Walker. Right. What about second base? Well, we have Cattell Marte. Shortstop Jorge Mateo is better than Nick Ahmed, but they play a similar role, really good on defense. Right. You look at the outfield, Anthony Santander, how about Jake McCarthy? It's not that I would different. take Santander over McCarthy, I think. But you're right. It's a very would you take Zach Gallon or would you take Dean Kramer? Uh, hey, Kyle Gibson's the opening day starter. Kyle Gibson. It's, I'd rather it's, that's what I'm saying. Like, I, I just think that the Diamondbacks should be looked at like the Orioles of last year, but they're not being priced at it. For sure. For sure. Um, But the Orioles, their win total was, what, 69 last year? 70? Yeah, it was like, it was the low 70s. And, and Arizona is 74 and a half? Yeah. So I guess they do think that they are a little bit better than Baltimore of last year when you look at the preseason. But again, I, I think that Baltimore their expectations were a lot lower than Arizona's were last year. And this year, Baltimore's expectations are higher than Arizona's are only two wins difference, which is weird. I'm taking Baltimore's. Ah, fuck. I mean, Kyle Gibson's the opening day starter. That's, that's a tough one. We'll say that's why the Diamondbacks at 74 and a half, like in a division with the Rockies and the giants aren't going to be that good. And, and then let's talk about the bullpen right now. Um, yeah, so the only two guys that remain are Kevin Ginkle and Joe Mantiply. Mantiply, the all-star for the Diamondbacks last year. But they signed Andrew Chafin, Miguel Castro, Scott McGuff, and Ryan Hendricks to free agent deals. Uh, they claim Cole Solcer off waivers, and they trade for Carlos Vargas from Cleveland in that roster crunch. So bunch of new faces. I love the Chafin edition. I do enjoy the Miguel Castro edition. And I do like that they are buying low on Cole Sulcer. Mantiply, I don't think, recreates what he did last year. But even if Mantiply did take a step up and is a subdued version of last year, that's a win. Ginkle, I'm not sure how I feel about him. Pitched pretty well last year. He did. Um, yeah, 3-3-8 ERA, 30 strikeouts in 29 innings. I'd like him to improve on the command. But even with a year where the command wasn't quite there, he still performed very well. Chafin's one of those guys who steps into the locker room and just performs at every place that he goes to. 283 last year. You said yourself, Mantiply was an all-star. Uh, Miguel Castro, you know, he's been on a ton of teams at this point, but he's still a guy who has really good stuff. It's just about throwing the ball in the strike zone. Cole Sulcer um, was a guy that the Marlins relied upon, and he didn't have a very good year. Uh, but he's still a big league arm. Like I would say they have 
four guys right now that I would rely upon to get outs in crucial situations, which is a lot more than some other teams in a similar spot. The Diamondbacks are a team that I'm jumping all aboard this year. I think they're an 80-plus win team, and I think they have a very good shot to finish third in the division. So, sneaky name, Justin Martinez is a 21-year-old reliever um, who I, I think climbed a triple at the end of last year. Martinez, if I'm not mistaken, just popped like a 102 in camp through four and two-thirds innings in AAA last year. Uh, 27 in high A, four to third in double. If that guy is popping 102 miles an hour, it sounds like he should be up in the big league bullpen. So that's just another guy that you can add to the stable. And yeah. you talked about all the starting pitchers that you know are on the back end, maybe the sixth, seventh, and eighth starters. Maybe then you put them in the rotation. What if Dre Jameson is more of a swingman? Right? What if Brandon Fox gets a yeah. start out of the bullpen? Like then the bullpen is looking pretty good. Like this yeah. is a, this is a good team. Yeah. So. I, I guess I am being more sold on Arizona, and I do think that Arizona is a better team than San Francisco. And, and we'll walk through that, and we'll do our predicted order of finish at the tail end here. San Francisco, they struck out a couple times this offseason. Aaron Judge, Carlos Correa, those were the big names, and it felt like they settled a little bit. And this lineup, I think they were hoping, would look a lot better than it does right now. Opening day lineup looks like Joey Bart as the starting catcher with Roberto Perez as the backup and Blake Sable as the third slash DH. Lamont Wade at first, Tyro Estrada at second, Brandon Crawford at 36 years old at short, David VR, who is very underrated at third, uh, outfield left to right, Michael Conforto, who missed an entire year last year, Mike Yastrzemski in center, and Jock Peterson in right. And then you fill out the bench with J.D. Davis, Wilmer Flores, and then whoever the hell else you want, maybe Isan Diaz, maybe Brett Wisely, Heliot Ramos, Stephen Piscotti. It's not a good lineup, especially when you think about the San Francisco Giants. I think this might be the least watchable lineup in this division. They just got no hit in spring training by King Cal. Five and two thirds. They got no hit in spring training by King Cal. Did I say something incorrect? Uh No. They were no there hit for go. five and two thirds. So you have Cal to pick. Control. You have to pick at something. He threw a no hitter through five and two thirds. No, but we'll we'll move on. Yeah, the Giants. You know, I I'm actually kind of upset that uh, Mitch Haniger, you know, strained an oblique back at the beginning of March. I don't know how long he's going to be out with that. Yeah. Um, Austin Slater, one of the great pinch hitters on Major League Baseball right now. His pinch hitting stats are crazy. That's a title. That is a title. Uh, Conforto, you don't really know what you're going to get, but I'm expecting good things from Conforto. I think he's going to rebound, obviously, from not playing for a while, uh, but I think he turns in a pretty decent season. But I think Brandon Crawford is over the edge or over the wall or however you want to say Over it. the he's hill. Old. Yeah, over the hill. There you go. He's old. Uh, Lamont Wade Jr., I still think in hitting spots, but a guy who just hasn't proven he can stay healthy. Tyro Estrada, uh, when the lights turn on, he is a big-time player. He was one of those guys who win probability added really liked and another guy who in big spots, you know, delivered. Uh, but David VR is just not that guy. Yastrzemski is like a glove first center fielder. Joey Bart is a, like one of the, what worst catchers in major league baseball starters. Offensively. I'm so much more excited about the Diamondbacks than I am about this team, but you know, this team swung and miss on Aaron judge on Carlos Correa. 
And I still think they have a solid team. I think they're going to be in the high 70s, low 80s. They're going to compete. They're a smart organization with, you know, a decent pitching staff, decent bullpen, but the lineup is just not going to hit much. Yeah, I think the staff is going to save them. As of right now, it looks like Logan Webb, Alex Cobb, Sean Manayo signed a free agent deal, Ross Stripling, who had a three ERA last year inside a free agent deal, and then Alex Wood, and Kyle Harrison doesn't look that far away. He dazzled across low A, high A, and double last year. So, um, yeah, like that six is great. And Anthony DiSclefani waiting as like the long reliever six type right now is good. So I've got no qualms with what they're doing in the starting rotation. Obviously, it was a lot better when Carlos Rodon was a part of this rotation, but I think Logan Webb is a one in major league baseball. I think he's a legit arm. He has sub three ERA in 190 innings last year. Um, and I think that Kyle Harrison can be a great two as soon as he comes up. Manaya throwing harder than it feels like he ever has. And Ross Stripling, we know, saw tons of success in Toronto last year when all eyes were on Barrios sucking and Manoa and Gosman being great. Ross Stripling was the steadying force that made the Blue Jays that postseason team. So, again, no qualms about the rotation. I'm just worried that they're going to be losing two to one games pretty often. I think this is the most underrated rotation in all of Major League Baseball. I really do. I really like it. And um, and I think, you know, you look at these five names and if you put them on a team that hasn't been very good at squeezing the juice out of veterans, then maybe you say, uh, but it's the Giants and they do such a good job of this. Logan Webb at the top is an ace in our league or at least a very high-end two for a World Series contending team. Alex Cobb is a prime candidate to not bounce back because he had a pretty solid season last year, but the underlying metrics will tell you that Alex Cobb is due for a ton of positive regression. Sean Mania, same thing. We've seen him look even better, and it just felt like a perfect fit there. Uh, a pitcher who has had a ton of success, but just hasn't put it all together in the past season or so goes over to the giants looks good in spring. I really like him on a bounce back stripling was just straight up really good for the blue Jays last year. And I expect him to be continue to pitch well. And Alex Wood, very similar to Alex Cobb, a guy who by the numbers is due for some positive regression overall one through five. This is where they take the leap over the diamondbacks because they have better pitching than they do. Um, it's very strong from top to bottom. Uh, and this is how they're going to win games. It's going to be on the back of their starters and their bullpen, but it's not going to be offensively because I think they will be a bottom 10 offensive team. Yeah. And I think that the bullpen is a lot better than many will give them credit for. Camilo Doval is a true closer and he was throwing absolute fuzz in the world baseball classic. Uh, Taylor Rogers joins Tyler Rogers. There has to be a positive bump for those guys when you got brothers in the same bullpen. Uh, John Brebbia was pretty decent last year. 68 innings had a 3-2 ERA. Scott Alexander, very brief in the major leagues last year, but 17 innings. He had one ERA. Uh, Junis was meh, mostly as a starter. Um, they've got some other guys in Sacramento, but I think that when you clump Doval, the two Rogerses. Alexander and Brebbia together, you've got a pretty decent six, seven, eighth, ninth inning setup. No doubt about it. Um, obviously, I am an enormous Camilo Duval fan. I coined him the name the Velociraptor, and it's stuck with at least one person on Twitter, which is huge <laughs> for me and my brand. Uh, Taylor Rogers, 
uh, is, is he's pretty good. John Brebbia, I think he led the league in appearances last year. The dude, whenever I turn on a Giants game and it's we're, and we're in the sixth or the seventh, John Brebbia is pitching almost no matter what. Felt yeah. like his arm was going to fall off. Tyler Rogers again, uh, not as good as his brother, but still solid. Scott Alexander, I agree, solid. Uh, and Junis is one of those guys who can make spot starts, can come in after pitchers. Through 110 innings last year. This is a good staff from top to bottom, from Logan Webb to the bottom of their bullpen. They are going to pitch. This is a team that is primed for a lot of unders, but I agree with you. They're going to lose a lot of two to one games and especially, but with that said, the big ballpark does play in, uh, does play to some of their strengths, right? They're a good defensive team. Uh, They're going to run a little bit. They're going to pitch. So they'll probably, like I said, be around the 78 to 82 win mark. For sure. And, and not having to face um, the Dodgers and the Padres as often as they have in, in recent history is going to be great, too, with the expanded schedule and seeing, you know, all 29 other teams at least once in a given season. So they're going to be seeing more bad teams than they did last year, which is nice. Uh, no moving doubt. on to San Diego, not many notes about this lineup. Uh, Xander Bogarts will probably lead off at short. The catching tandem going to be Austin Nola. And finally, Luis Camposano might get his first full year of service time under his belt uh, at 25 years old. You've got Jake Cronenworth likely at first with Hassan Kim at second. Again, Bogarts at short, Manny Machado at third. Soto in left or right, Trent Grisham in center, and then figure it out in right or left, whether that's Matt Carpenter, David Dahl, Nelson Cruz, Jose Azokar. Um and then you've got Fernando Tatis Jr. coming back three weeks into the season. My worry here is depth. Obviously, Bogart, Soto, Machado, Tatis, no worries there. Cronenworth, Kim, Grisham, I'm not worried there. Nola and Camposano, you're not going to get much better in the catching department um, in terms of like available options on bad teams. Like Sean Murphy was the prize possession, but if you move for Soto, you weren't moving for Sean Murphy. My worry here is the depth. Like their bench looks like Camposano, Nelson Cruz at 43 years old, Rugnet Odor, and Jose Azokar. I don't feel good if shit hits the fan with one of their stars. It's this is team is so fascinating. Do we look at them through the lens of judging them against potential playoff teams? Or do we judge them as a World Series contender? Because as a playoff contender, love this team. Yeah. As a World Series contender, I have major bad vibes. Almost a lot to make the postseason, I think. Exactly. I think they will do really well in the regular season. They have a ton of star power, but it almost kind of reminds me of Team USA <laughs> in a little bit, right? Great lineup, ton of stars, but didn't end up getting it done. Um, And it's like you can look at each one individually, and there are question marks. Xander Bogarts, he's going to hit... But he's moving from a stadium in Fenway, which is one of the best hitters parks to play in, to Petco, which is one of the worst. And we've seen the the power output continue to fall down. Tons of doubles, but again, tons of doubles off that green monster. Do they translate? And he was helped out a ton by the shift. They were able to hide him in good spots. You saw when he was positioned, it's like a right field second base type position. It was great or you know, up the middle or stuff like that, but playing shortstop every day, we'll see. Fernando Tatis Jr., I expect the world from him when he comes back, but again, you never know because he is coming off a PED suspension. Juan Soto, I really have no questions there, but he's not good defensively, 
that's, I guess, the one thing. And Manny Machado is going to rake, but Machado, there's a lot of uh, things that propped up a very good offensive season, very high BABIP. Um, a lot of the, you know, advanced stuff would say that he might regress slightly offensively. Are you, are you concerned about regression for Manny Machado? I'm not at all. I mean, define regression. Like I just, do I think he's going to put up the same season as he did last year? No. Do Do you think think he's he's an MVP candidate again? I think he'll finish within the top 10 ish. I'll take that. Yeah. But I just don't think he's going to finish third. That's what I mean. Like, of course, Manny Machado is still incredible. Manny Machado is still one of the best third basemen in baseball, maybe the best. But in terms of, there's a lot of numbers that would point you towards, yeah, he was pretty lucky last year. But he's incredible. Now he just signed the enormous extension. So with numbers pointing to regression and he's settled in with his money, does he do it again? Maybe that was his Aaron Judge season offensively, right? That's where I'm at. Yeah. I, I hear you. Um, I think Machado is honestly the one that gets my heart rate up the least. I think it goes Machado, Soto. Yeah, maybe Machado. Yeah, Machado, Soto, because Soto's still playing for a contract. Bogarts, who just signed a way bigger contract than I think anybody was expecting. And then Tatis, because he might ride a motorcycle to, to the ballpark. We'll see. Yeah, um, yeah like top-heavy, no question. I think the middling depth is great. I, I think that... Having Cronenworth, Kim, and Grisham stacked in there as like the six, seven, eight hitters or the five, six, seven hitters is awesome. And I think that's the most underrated part of this Padres lineup. But I am worried about the back end. You I'm adding also, Grisham in there? I am adding Grisham in there because he is a gold glove caliber center fielder. I know, but you're talking about in the lineup. Like, yeah, no, I like him as a player because he's great defensively, but he's not going to hit. I, at least, no, I don't no. think so, but, but I like, love Kim and Cronenworth. I think that's great depth. I totally agree with you there. They're both going to hit and they're both going to play great defense. Love that duo. If I've got six guys in front of him or seven guys in front of him, I'm okay yeah. sacrificing eight hole offense Agreed. for a gold glove center fielder. Agreed. Him as an eight hitter playing that kind of defense, that is a good player on your team. Yeah. I had no worries about this rotation until Joe Musgrove dropped a dumbbell on his toe. And, and we'll see how quickly he comes back from that. It's a fractured toe uh, that happened, what, early March or late February, end of February. So we'll see how many starts he misses. Um, As of right now, opening day rotation looks like Blake Snell, Yu Darvish, Michael Waku signed that free agent deal, Seth Lugo signed a free agent deal as a starter, and then Nick Martinez with Jay Groom and Brent Honeywell as the sixth and seven. Ryan Weathers, we'll see if he regains that MLB form that got him there in 2020 at a very, very young age. Um, I'd feel a lot better about this rotation if Joe Musgrove was in it. Yep, so much better because I think he's the safest pitcher on their staff. Um, Darvish is a guy who I was joking around in the car when we were driving to the game of the Japan-USA game, and I was like, if he was the starter, it'd be an impossible game to handicap, and he's one of the hardest pitchers to know because sometimes he'll give you eight shutout innings, one hit, 10Ks, and you think to yourself, this might be the greatest pitcher alive. I mean, he has starts where all of his pitches are working. He commands them so well, and he's unhittable. And I don't just say that. He There are some starts where he looks like the best pitcher on planet Earth. And then there are other starts where he looks like Austin Gomber, where he looks like Chad Cool, and he goes four innings, seven earned when he doesn't have the command. He's not throwing the pitches where he wants to. He's a very tough pitcher to know what you're going to get. 
And that's why, you know, we were even talking about ranking starting pitchers. He falls for me just based on that, even though you look at the end of the year and he's got like a three, two ERA and he had a great year, but it's just start by start. It's so hard to predict. Is, Blake Snell is very similar. Is he a sample size merchant, you Darvish? Like if you give him 180 innings, he's going to be good. But yeah. if you give him six, he may suck. Yeah, like exactly. Like I, but it's, it's, he's one of the most, you have no idea what you're going to get. No, you could the, get the you goods could get a are no great. Hitter. You could get a no hitter or a Chad Cool start. Right. The goods are greats. The bads are awfuls. Exactly. That's what it is. Like, I, would you rather a pitcher over two starts give you six innings, two earned, or one or two starts from one guy who gives you eight shutout and four innings and seven earned? I think I'd rather have the first one. Yeah, me too. And that's Musgrove. Exactly. So, yeah, I, I like that. Seth Lugo is one that really interests me. 17 and a third inning so far this spring across five starts. He has only allowed five runs in those 17 and a third, but 21 hits against him. He's only punched out 14. Um, I don't know, like, what he is as a starting pitcher. Me neither. We'll None see. of us do. Yeah. He's a reliever turned starter. This is his first year doing it, or maybe he did it back in, like, what, 2014 or something? I think so. I he started, let's see, 18 games for the Mets in 2017. Since then, he started no more than seven for anybody. We just have no idea what we're going to get. He has an incredibly good curveball. That's what's got him through everywhere. And, like, we make the jokes where it's like, he just throw that 3,000 RPM spinner nonstop and be totally fine. Uh, I just don't know how it's going to last. I don't know if he has the command when we get to the fourth, fifth, and sixth. Is he going to still have this stuff? Is he going to still be able to spin that curveball after throwing 80 pitches? I don't know. It's a very tough pitcher to know what we're going to get. Right. And then you go to the bullpen here, uh, and you've got Josh Hader, Robert Suarez, who just signed that five-year deal, Luis Garcia, Tim Hill, Jose Lopez was a rule five pick. He's a lefty that throws 98. Um, I think you've got Michelle Baez, who's back healthy again. That can be a, a mid-90s guy. Steven Wilson, another guy that threw a bunch for him last year with a sub-four ERA. The, the bullpen is good enough, and they've got the eighth and ninth inning talent to get through it with Hayter, Suarez, and Garcia. I feel decent about Chris, Matt, Hill, Wilson, Lopez getting you through the middle innings. It really just comes down to the bat, the bench bats, and the four and five in that rotation. Yeah, it's funny. I like the bullpen better than the rotation. I, I think, think I do too. Great. Bullpen's great, I think. Um, Josh Hader's all world. Robert Suarez is fantastic. Luis Garcia throws fuzz. Dude's excellent. Steven Wilson had a really good year last year, as did Tim Hill, as did, as did Chris Bat. And that's a, I mean, that's a lot of guys who I believe in. And whatever you get from Drew Pomerantz this year is only a plus. It's a very good bullpen. And they can hedge some of those starting pitching concerns with that good bullpen. I just think to myself, if Joe Musgrove is healthy, you know, and it's a combination of Martinez or Lugo in the rotation, and then they put one of them back in the bullpen, it gets even better. Uh, so I'm of, it's funny, the best units on these team are the front four monsters on offense, and then the bullpen, I think. Yeah. It's great. I'd say the front three in the rotation would be in that grouping if Musgrove was healthy. So it's exactly. Musgrove, Darvish, Snell, for sure. Yeah, they're just um, not healthy right now, so I didn't include them, but of course, they would be totally in it because – if Blake Snell is your three starter, like that's excellent. He that is great. He's excellent. All right. The LA Dodgers, different team, man. Will Smith will be the catcher. Austin Barnes as the backup. No problems there. 
Freddie Freeman at first, Miguel Vargas at second, likely. Then you got Miguel Rojas at short, Max Muncy at third, David Peralta, Trace Thompson, and Mookie Betts in the outfield left to right. J.D. Martinez is the DH. We did see that Jason Hayward and James Altman made the Dodgers out of camp. Congrats to Jason Hayward, man. That's so cool to see. And then you got Chris Taylor as, of course, the utility man who signed for big money. So that bench projects as Barnes, Taylor, Hayward, Altman. The lineup is really good, um, but it's not evil empire monsters that we're typically accustomed to seeing from the Dodgers. We're either going to see an absolute Dodgers masterclass this year or an epic failure. And I don't know which one to expect. How My baseball brain just tells failure? me. I would define epic failure by not winning the division and winning under 90 games, which could very well happen going from a hundred plus win team to under 90 wins. Jesus. No, that's the epic failure. That's not what I think. Okay. But that's what I like. It's either going to be a Dodgers masterclass where they win over 100 again with this roster, but the epic failure would be losing to the Padres in the division, maybe not making the playoffs and being under 90 wins. Gotcha. When you look at this roster, think about it. What's the path to under 90 wins? Miguel Rojas is not the guy you think he is. Miguel Vargas deals with injuries all year and doesn't capitalize on his potential. David Peralta, J.D. Martinez, Trace Thompson. Maybe they just aren't that guy. Max Muncy continues to struggle. You're going to get great production from Betts, Freeman, and Smith. But then you look at the rotation. Guys could get injured. Like, this is a big boomer bust team. And I'm interested to see Andrew Friedman. He was not as flash in the offseason, but he made a lot of small moves. I wonder if they're going to work. And I lean towards yes, because I trust in him as one of the great executives in our game and his ability to continue to put out incredible regular seasons. Yeah. And I think the Dodgers still win this division weirdly, uh but I could see a path to destruction. Yes, I I can kind of see that for sure. Um I also think that Mookie Betts should be playing a lot of second base, especially if they have Taylor Hayward and Outman on that roster on opening day. All three of those guys can play a good outfield. I think Mookie can play some second. You can move Vargas over to short, I also need to see a world where Michael Bush is on this team. I think Michael Bush is ready to hit as a lefty masher and as a serviceable second baseman slash first baseman. Obviously, he's not going to play first. You got Freddie there. But if you can move Vargas over to short and have Bush play second, I think that makes the lineup a lot better. Mookie Betts get to play a lot of second base. That's my take this year. Pretty cool that they have Mookie Betts and Freddie Freeman on the same team. Yes, like that just it, makes me smile. That's like that's, so the awesome. thing. that's the thing. We say like, oh, the Dodgers didn't have a Dodger offseason. It's because they have Mookie Betts, Freddie Freeman, and Will Smith, who's one of the more underrated hitters in all of baseball, as their one, two, three. That makes me smile. That is such good baseball. I it's mean, that's really good. That's, baseball. that's like Team USA esque level front three, right? Also, are you buying a bounce back from JD? Hit two seventy five with sixteen homers. I think this guy can get back to the twenty five thirty homer world. I don't know if the power is going to be there, but I still think the bat to ball is going to be there. I think he could hit 280, 290 this year with 15 to 20 bombs um, and still be a very solid DH option. Like if my DH is giving me that, like I'm happy. So JD Martinez is 35 years old now. Let me just roll through Homer totals since 2014 with Detroit over full seasons. I'm going to skip 2020. He had seven in 2020 Um, since 2014. 
23, 38, 22, 45, 43, 36, 28, 16. He's got to be over the 20 marker again. He might. He's not 40. But he's getting older, and he's going to a ballpark in Los Angeles where it's tougher to hit home runs than it is in Fenway. Yeah. I don't know. I just love J.D. I love him, too, and he's There's a student some JD of the bias. game, and that's why I love him. He's a student right. of the game, knows his swing better than basically anyone. He's kind of He's got some Joey Votto in him where he just – all he does is read about swings, and he just – I feel like yeah. he sleeps with a bat on his pillow next to him. Yes. Like, I, I if there's anyone you should buy stock in – um, it's JD Martinez, the person, but I just think he's getting older. I don't think the power is going to be there anymore. And I think JD's a guy who has a lot of pride in the batting average department, a lot of pride in, in the two strike approach and getting the hit instead of selling out for power. So I could see him kind of reverting to that and being a good bat to ball guy who, I mean, 20 home runs, it's pretty good. Like, yes, I'll take it's that, really good. You no. Know? And strictly drinking the Dodger Kool-Aid, I'm buying either a bounce back from Chris Taylor or Jason Hayward or a breakout from James Outman. Like one of those outfielders is going to be really good. Yeah, I would. I'm very excited for Outman. I'm just excited to see what the hell Hayward brings. I mean, I'm excited just, for Jason story. Hayward. The swing that's looks the one. different. Yeah. yeah. Taylor, like, he just doesn't impact the baseball. He just doesn't. Like, I Plugged 373 last year. Not good enough. I hope it gets better, but he's a guy who I'm not very high on going into the year. Yeah. Um, all right. Rotation. Julio Urias, Dustin May, Clayton Kershaw, Noah Syndergaard, who they signed to a free agent deal, a one-year deal. And it looks like Ryan Pepio to open. Walker Bueller again. Uh, Tommy John, he's out for the entirety of this year. And then you got Tony Gonsolin, who's dealing with an ankle sprain. Gonsolin will be back, likely shove Pepio out. So it turns into Urias, May, Kershaw, Gonsolin, and Syndergaard. I don't know what we're going to get from Noah Syndergaard. I know that we've got a couple of people on staff that do think that Syndergaard is going to have a really solid bounce back year. Um, I don't think that's low threes. I think that probably looks like mid threes. Um, but you can't go wrong with Urias and Kershaw. And Dustin May, when he's on the mound, is automatic. Let me run you through two different scenarios. Scenario one, the glass half full approach. Julio Arias continues to build and finishes within the top three in signing voting like he did last year. Excellent year for Arias. Dustin May stays healthy and establishes himself as one of the best pitchers in baseball. That's what the stuff looks like. Yes. He looks closer to DeGrom than basically anyone. He looks like a combination of Blake Trine and Anne DeGrom because he's got the insane sinker. He's like a Tyler Glass now-esque, just so much extension, so much height. Can't pick it out of his hand, and he's 98 at your neck. He could be incredible if he stays healthy. Clayton Kershaw keeps doing his thing, stays healthy all year, gives you a low threes, high twos ERA, and it looks like the stud and the first ballot Hall of Famer that he will be. Syndergaard completely bounces back. Dodgers fool with his slider a little bit, and he gives you a 3-5 ERA and a ton of innings. Um, Tony Gonsolin comes back and gives you the same all-star level caliber pitching that he did in the front half of the season. Pepiot finds his command and ends up being a great swing man or potentially a six to slot in. That's scenario one, and that's the glass half full approach. Glass half empty. Julio Arias doesn't stay healthy. Underlying numbers don't love him. Maybe he's a three five ERA guy. He's projected three six two on fan graphs. Dustin May doesn't stay healthy once again. Clayton Kershaw looks like he's on the way out. Noah Syndergaard doesn't bounce back. 
looks like a 4-2 guy. Pepeo never finds the zone, and Tony Gonsolin doesn't come close to replicating the year before. Are you glass half full or are you glass half empty? Somewhere in between, like a jackass. I am leaning glass half full for that. I'm I'm leaning. I I am bought into Arias. I will never not be bought into Kershaw, and I'm bought into May. I think that Ryan Pepio can't throw strikes that well, and I don't know how quickly that changes. Um, I don't have any confidence in Syndergaard. Syndergaard's velo has not been back. Like it will never be back to 99, 100. Um, it hasn't even been back to 94, 95. Syndergaard is in 91, 92. That's the pitcher he is now. Um, and then Gonsolin, I'm just, I've never been a Gonsolin believer. I think that guy is as sheltered as they come in terms of starting pitchers. They never let him extend the leash ever. Now, here's how I think they can be really good. Urias, May, Kershaw, hold down the three. They've got two guys that I think are MLB ready a month in, in Bobby Miller and Gavin Stone. I think if you're running out of five by the trade deadline or by the all-star break of Urias, May, Kershaw, Miller, and Stone, and all five are healthy, I think that is one of the best rotations in baseball, if not the best rotation in baseball. I totally agree with you. And that's the great thing that the Dodgers have. They have depth. Not like a lot of other teams. Like, name me the sixth and seventh starter who could come up from the minor leagues for the Padres. Um, Ryan Weathers and Mora Jay Groom. Hurt. Jay Groom, Brent Honeywell, who, yeah. First yeah. Bobby Miller and Gavin Stone. Yeah, like, give me them. Not even close. The only ones that are kind of close and they still don't measure up whatsoever are the Braves now. And we see the Jared Schuster and, and Dylan Dodd thing, but Dodd's Arizona, nowhere close maybe. to a top 100 guy. And Schuster is like right on the edge of top 100. Miller and Stone are both like top 50 guys. Yeah, they are. They profile as potential aces in our league. Yeah, and they have yeah. two of them. Yeah. And those are going to be the four or five this year. That's if that why works I, right. I think this team wins the division because their bullpen is fucking awesome. Yes. So bullpen, Evan Phillips, Alex Vesia, Bruce Dargratterall, Caleb Ferguson had a sub two last year in 34 innings. Yancy Almonte was fucking elite last year. Then he got Shelby, uh, Shelby Miller, who you signed on a free agent deal. Phil Bickford is back. Andre Jackson is back. Before we dive into the active bullpen, I think if you were to just take the, the five guys that are going to open the year on the IL, I think this is a top five bullpen in baseball too. JP Fireisen, shoulder surgery. Alex Reyes, shoulder surgery. Blake Trinan, shoulder surgery. Daniel Hudson, knee surgery. Jimmy Nelson, Tommy John. So that good. five is top five. Their active bullpen, what did we have, Matt? Two? I think so. I think two, only behind the Astros. Yeah. And with those guys, they're number one. Um, Blake trying for my money. <laughs> He's the best reliever alive. I don't know. Of course, you have Diaz and uh, Class A, and of course, me saying Trident's better than them is blasphemous. But well, Durant, Johan Duran is like the new version of Trident. And if you love Duran, you love Trident. That's how that works. Yeah, and I love Durant, and I think Trident is as nasty as humanly possible. I just don't know how anyone in the world hits him. It just blows my mind. Alex Reyes, when he comes back, is still nasty. Daniel Hudson has a World Series under his belt, and he's you know, was slotted to be the Dodgers' closer before he went down with knee surgery. Um, I mean, that was last year, but, you know, I think he's still dealing with that a little bit. And J.P. Fireisen, I don't think he allowed a run last year before he got injured. Like, didn't allow a run through 20-ish innings. No, he had a 0.00 um, 0 ERA. Evan Phillips is 
on our top 15 relievers. I think Vessi is as good as you get from a lefty. Bruce Argrotterall, he's not the strikeout guy that you might ex- expect from a 100 mile or bowling ball sinkers, but he still gets outs and he's still really good. 3 2 6 last year. Caleb Ferguson, excellent, 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 excellent last year. 1 8 2 ERA. Yancy Almonte had a 1.02 ERA in 35 innings. 1.02. Dude was unhittable. Remember, he came over from the Rockies and I was like, who is this random dude the Dodgers just signed? And then he went crazy, and that's what the Dodgers do. Shelby Miller, prime bounce-back candidate in that bullpen. And Phil Bickford, if he's like your ninth best reliever, I mean, that's elite. Like, they are – they're going to shorten games. They only need five from their starters. And if they keep everyone healthy, this team's going to win the NL West again. And I believe that they can do so. Predicted order of finish to wrap the pod. Dodgers, Padres, Diamondbacks, Giants, Rockies. Damn it. Same. So you believe in the Diamondbacks. How are the Diamondbacks going to finish third with 74 wins? I, it's possible. I guess the Giants finished with 60 and the Rockies possible. finished 40. It's baseball, man. It's not mathematically impossible. How many wins, how many wins do the Rockies have? Uh, 11? Mid-60s. Okay. Like, it's going to be hard for the Diamondbacks to finish third with 74 wins. I think we're looking at... The Dodgers and the Padres both flirting with 100. I think I could see the Dodgers at like 98, see the Padres at like 96, 97. I think it's going to be very Mm. tight up top. And then I could see Arizona at 74, the Giants at like 72, and then the Rockies in the mid-60s. Yeah, I'm I'm way different from you. I think the Dodgers are – they win the division at 94 games. I think the Padres win around 91. Um, I think the Diamondbacks win 81, 82. I think the Giants win 77. And I think the Rockies finish with 67. Interesting. Okay. So I am higher on the top end and Mm -hmm. lower on the bottom three. Yeah. And I'm lower on the top two and higher on the middle two. And we both think the Rockies suck. (laughs) Yes, correct. So again, consensus... Dodgers, Padres, Diamondbacks, Giants, Rockies. It's a nice hat you got. Get yourselves one, people. Best way to support the Just Baseball Show and the Just Baseball Network is getting yourself some Just Baseball merch. That is in the episode description. If you want all my futures, you'll get them on JustBaseball.com and on my podcast, Not Gambling Advice. But they have already been sent out to Dub Club subscribers. That link is in the episode description. It is still free until opening day. Um tons of podcasts here on the just baseball network that you have to go check out it's in the link tree click it instead of going through all of them you can get them for yourself they're all awesome and of course link tree is free you don't got to pay nothing to just click and see all the podcasts um and if you don't want to spend a dime we totally appreciate it if you could leave five stars on this on this podcast uh leave a written review we love checking out the reviews and uh we implement a lot of stuff that people write that they want to see and that includes youtube comments if you're watching on youtube Hit us with a like, subscribe, and comment what you think is going to happen for the NL West. And with that, thank you, everybody.